Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is brought to you by Safe Ireland and Airbnb, working in partnership to support domestic violence survivors across Ireland. Welcome back to the women's podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle and... uh, this Roshi Ningle has a sore throat, uh, what the experts call, I think, a tickly cough. Um, and it's just a commoner garden tickly cough, nothing more sinister. But I am trying to save my voice. So instead of recording something new this week, we're bringing you one of our big nights in. We recorded earlier this year and it's a really good one. It's the brilliant Maeve Higgins. Oh, because I do stand up comedy, you know, which I always have to tell people even while I'm doing it. I have <laughs> people are like this woman got on stage and she started t- talking she stringing random sentences together is she okay should somebody get her is she doing an Irish accent now before we get into the Maeve episode I just want to say congratulations to all of those nominated in the Irish Book Awards the Unpust Irish Book Awards including my mother Anne Ingle who was nominated twice for her memoir, Open Hearted, which we featured on this podcast last week. So I'm so proud of her. And also uh, loads of other people, friends of the podcast are nominated, including Sarah Gilmartin, who's author of Dinner Party, A Tragedy, which was also nominated in the newcomer category. And we'll have an interview with Sarah on a future episode. And blowing our own trumpet a little bit, we're delighted to also have been nominated amongst great company, such as our fellow Irish Times podcast, Inside Politics, in the Journalism Awards. So the Women's Podcast is up for an award there, which is great news. And we're all doing a little celebratory jig. Uh, Now, while I still have a voice left, our episode this week is with the incredibly talented Maeve Higgins. She's a comedian, an author, an actor and an activist. And we had a great conversation earlier this year as part of the Big Night in the series uh, about all of that. And she told us about moving to America, about how she got through the lockdowns, about going back to college, her interest in immigration, and of course, about Mother of Invention, her climate action podcast with former President Mary Robinson. Maeve was great fun. And as always, she left us with loads to think about. I began by asking this well-travelled woman where in the world she was. I'm in Cove. Um, I'm staying with my parents. And so Cove in um, County Cork, formerly known as Queenstown. Um, so I'm here now because, like Roshi mentioned, I, I live in New York for the last 10 years or so, but things were really, uh, I came back at Christmas time and I just stayed because I wanted to wait out the pandemic here. And um, also, I'm just very lucky that my parents are here for me and my little sister is here too. So it's more fun than being in New York at the moment. And it's also, I haven't been home like for this, for spring in so long. And it's gorgeous like I do feel like a bit of a yank going around and being like oh look at the butter are those buttercups mom 
is that dandelion? You know, um, but it's beautiful. Like rural Ireland in the spring is is really gorgeous. So, yeah. You really have gone American, Maven. Jesus. But like, at least you are from the place that John Splan wrote the cherry trees about. So in fairness, have you been down that road? There's a particular road in Cork, apparently, where there's tons of cherry trees. I wouldn't go into the city now myself. <laughs> um, Cork City is a bit rough. But I think here in Cove, um, there is a... I actually didn't know. Which street is it? Do you know? I don't know. I'll find out. I'll ring John. I have him okay. on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do, you know, for, um, well, Maeve would know my partner, Johnny. I think you met before, didn't you? Maybe you didn't. Uh, yeah. When Johnny turned 40, I got John Splan to hide in our playroom. And mm. you know the way John Splan has a song called, Johnny, don't go to Ballancolig. You'll always get so disappointed. <laughs> it's a great song. Johnny, don't go. Johnny, don't go. And my partner's name is Johnny. So John yeah. Splan was hiding in my, and Johnny loves John Splan. He was hiding in the playroom. And next thing, we had this party. John Splan walks out going, Johnny, don't go to... And Johnny nearly had a heart attack. I thought that I'd have so to cute. resuscitate him. <laughs> so I, you know, me and John Splan are like that. <laughs> Is he still in your playroom? <laughs> I, I wish. Maybe I had to pay him to come and feed him a load of Murphys because he doesn't drink Guinness. But I got Guinness and not knowing that, of course, he would turn his nose up. Oh, and yeah, because it's a cork. Exactly. So tell me how, I have to ask everyone, but you don't have to say too much about it. We, we're interested in how people got on during the pandemic. Did you discover anything new about yourselves? Did you learn the ukulele? Um, Did you learn a language? Did you do anything? <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like I've just been keeping it together, barely. But I watched all of Outlander, you know, Outlander. And I absolutely love that TV show. Um, and also, there's just a lot of it, you know. So it's a really good pandemic watch. And um, I watched all of Outlander. I've been studying a lot, reading a lot. And I've been getting my master's, which is really exciting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Although that started before the pandemic, but now I just realized it's been a really good chance to, to, you know, to study, like to take classes and to read a lot. So yeah. I'm so impressed. And like, because I'm so not academic, but will they call you Master Maeve after that? Is that what happens when you get Yeah, I mean, you can now, like. (laughs) Right, what is it in, Maeve? Uh, It's in in migration studies. So it's like an interdisciplinary master's where we do a bit of sociology and some political science and um, yeah, international migration studies. So yeah, it's, it's been great at the grad center in, uh, it's called CUNY Grad Center in New York. Um, and then, I mean, I was kind of uh, lucky in a way because um, when I realized all, cause I do stand up comedy, you know, which I always have to tell people even while I'm doing it. I have <laughs> people are like, this woman got on stage and she said, talking stringing random sentences together is she okay should somebody get her is she doing an Irish accent um so I do stand-up comedy I used to do stand-up comedy it's been so long like in last March uh I have a weekly show every week in Brooklyn of live stand-up and like you know the first week in March we were kind of like should we be passing the microphone to each other like maybe this is like a virus you know and so that all vanished of course uh like so many live performers that just is gone so I took more classes then the next semester and the next semester so I finished the master's like more quickly than I would have otherwise because what I wanted to do and it's funny that you say that you're not academic Roisin because 
I wouldn't say that I'm academic either. And like, I didn't get a degree. I don't have a degree. So I didn't go to college, you know, for, for, uh, undergraduate. Mm. But, um, but I knew like, I write a lot like yourself and I, you know, I just wonder a lot. <laughs> like I'm really curious about loads of different aspects of the world. And then I realized like, well, I'm writing a lot and I have all of these opinions, but I needed rigor to my thinking and I wanted uh-huh. more, more guidance. And also just to be like, I don't know, just to kind of say like, there's a lot that I don't know. <laughs> and so how do I work towards knowing it? So, um, I mean, I was lucky because it's a public university over there, so it's not like too expensive or anything. And also they're very used to the idea of like, oh, you just take one class a week. So you fit it in, you know, on a Tuesday afternoon or like on a Friday night. Um, so that's, you know, so so that's the kind of thing about being academic or not being academic. I think it's more of like being really curious. And I was amazed at how accessible it is and how fantastic it is and like it's my favorite thing now is like studying taking classes I feel like college is a real place of um like everybody mocks like safe spaces but actually to go in and be and you can say something that's wrong or bad or weird but it's like that's fine we're all learning here so it's fine but can you Maeve because like that I could imagine in those kind of classes that you'd be really worried about saying the wrong thing and not being you know on the right side of the language and various things like that? Well, like, I mean, the, the course I took, you know, and taking and finishing now this month, uh, we talk a lot about race, ethnicity, critical race theory, all this really hot topic stuff, especially in America. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is, if you're honest about it, you're fine. Nobody's going to jump down your throat. Like if you're honestly talking, asking difficult questions and coming at it from a place of like, oh, it's, it's fine, I made a mistake, like, or I didn't know. That's totally fine, as long as you're just kind of intellectually honest in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the problems start when it's, you know, out of context and the temperature is up and, you know, that's when it gets to be a problem. But no, I found it to be, like, I found it to be really creative and fun um, and just like, yeah, great. I would recommend anybody take a few classes. You're if making they can me go. think yeah, I don't have a degree either because I dropped out and I always felt mm-hmm. a little bit like, well, I didn't. I was going to say I always felt a bit in fear. I never did. I no. kind of didn't care. You know, I was yeah. going to pretend that it always was a, a blight on my life. It's not really. But yeah, I love that idea that it's just because you're curious and you wonder about things. Mm-hmm. And so that's a that's the best reason to pursue extra education, I think, because you want to kind of, you know, get as wide as you can with the subject. And um, I was just watching before we came on, actually, your uh is your TED talk on the good immigrant because you tweeted it earlier oh yeah at radio era and I just I really loved it and one thing you said I thought was really interesting was that you weren't really interested in, in immigration until you became an immigrant well yeah so that is um I did a TED talk uh that was in 2018 I think but then yesterday TED radio hour used an extract from it so it's kind of back again and um yeah I mean I grew up in Cove you know, and which is where everybody, you know, famously left from over 2 million people left from Cove, you know, during the worst years of Irish history. And certainly I think probably all of us growing up in Ireland learned about emigrants. And, and it wasn't until I left and kind of 
became an immigrant to the US myself that I started thinking about like, oh, where do they go? <laughs> like, where do they all end up? And, you know, uh, also the kind of equivalence of today, right? Like people who are coming to Ireland. Um, so yeah, I just got so curious about that. And the parallels are, you know, they're there for the taking, right? They like, and you can see um, what became of, you know, Irish people who landed in America. And definitely during the Trump administration, I was always so mad because um, uh, Mike Pence, who was his VP, who's extremely xenophobic guy, um, you know, he tried to ban Syrian refugees back when he was just a governor. Um, and he would always go on and on about like his granddad being this bus driver, you know, who had come from like Mayo, I think, um, like Biden, I think is Mayo as well. Yeah. Um, but Pence would always talk about like, but he worked hard and he pulled himself up by his bootstraps. And, you know, uh, the, the reality is like he got into Pence's granddad got into the US with no papers, you know, undocumented, loads of them are teenagers, undocumented minors. Loads of them were, you know, unskilled. And um, then they kind of are instantly had advantages in the US already. Like he became, actually he became like a trolley driver in Chicago, uh, which is, you know, it's no joke. It was a tough job, I'm sure. And he did very well and fair play to him. But at the time, like black people were not allowed to take those jobs. And also, even if they did, they weren't allowed to unionize because the Irish would, you know, gang up in them there. So it just bothered me how the story kept um, getting told, I suppose, by the victors. And so that that's definitely, you know, I think as Irish people, that's sort of, I don't know if it's at the back of our minds, but it's somewhere in us, right, where we're like, this could be us. This was us very recently. Even yeah. though it was like, you know, 200 years ago. It's uh, it's really interesting. You mentioned in that Annie Moore, isn't it? And there's the statue mm-hmm. of her in Cove. Is, is there a statue? Because I think when I was in Cove, I saw there was a, there's a statue of her. Yeah, there's a statue of Sonia Sullivan and there's a statue of Annie Moore. So we're lucky because we have these two. Great two. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, there's a statue of Annie Moore right at the Deepwater Quay where, you know, she would have left from with her two little brothers. And she went on to be the first um, emigrant through the gates of Ellis Island. It was newly built. Mm. Um, and, you know, it was like, again, herself, she was a teenager bringing her two little brothers, just like these kids who were coming up from Central America now that are called like unaccompanied minors. That's what Annie was. Um, but she was, you know, white and she was Irish and she was welcomed in. In fact, they kind of like pushed some Italian guy out of the way to like. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. They, they knew it was a good photo. Like they knew this was a better one than the Italian. Yeah. One. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Affirmation. Yeah. Like there's a really good uh, genealogist, Megan Smolniak, who does who's done a lot of work around Annie Moore and who she was. Um, and she's gathered all these stories and it's just gas like it's gas how. The narrative has been shaped and, you know, how and how we fit into it as well, you know, because like I think Irish people in the US, we have a kind of a soft power there because I mean, Biden identifies as Irish, um, but he doesn't really, you know, he just kind of it's more of a lip service thing, you know, with him. I think it's a bit early to tell. But there's a lot of Heaney. There's a lot of Heaney goes on, isn't there? With, with... <laughs> I hope in history's rhyming a lot there with Biden. <laughs> You've heard it. And sometimes I'm like, you know that hope doesn't rhyme with history? (laughs) (laughs) Know that? (laughs) You know when you went to America, Maeve, like, because you've Mm -hmm. you've spoken about it before, but 
being grown up in Ireland in sort of 80s, 90s, like, you know, we were so, so overloaded with American culture. It wasn't like mm-hmm. you're going to some strange place. Was it was it lovely in that way? There was a familiarity, even though it was a different place. Was there something nice about that going to America? Yeah, I mean, I think anyone who even visits New York gets that experience of, you know, oh, I've been here. Have I been here? Like, it's so familiar. Um, And it's also just like a really fun city. I think there's all these kind of iconic buildings around every corner and lots of, you know, street scenes that are just happening outside, you know, when you step outside of the subway. So I do think it's a fascinating place to live. I think that the um, familiarity is kind of a trick because you think, you know, oh, yeah, I know this place. Like, I, you know, you know. But then you realize like, oh, I don't actually know anybody or have any connections here. And, you know, it's a, um, you know, it stays busy. Like, that's the thing. You can't really take a break from it, which is why it's lovely to have Ireland to come home to. And specific, not that like, but specifically Cove and my family, I think it gives me a bit of balance, you know. So, you know, when you when I saw that news that you were doing a podcast with Mary Robinson, I was like, well, every time I've seen Maeve's name lately, it's like, Oh my God, this is so brilliant. It is like, you know, it's it's just lovely to see someone go away to New York, which is where, you know, if you're going to be yeah. successful, that's a place to do it. And to see you thrive and just all your talents, you've so many talents to get, see them recognized. And, but when I saw that you had a podcast with Mary Robinson, I mean, there is, there, I mean, you might as well just, if you do nothing else in your whole life, like seriously, <laughs> I mean, I know you will do loads of other things, but no, honestly, it's been it's been amazing. And um, like Mary Robinson was president when I was like small, you know, I think I was seven or eight when she became president. So she really burned into my brain, like, you know, in her like red blazer and like that haircut that she always has. And uh, I suppose I didn't fully understand what she meant then. But um, it certainly, I think, was really good for me to under- to see that this this woman, um, you know, was a leader and that she had come from a human rights background. Like she, you know, was a human rights lawyer. And then she went on then to be the um, UN human rights um, chief, I guess you'd say. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it was so funny. I mean, I knew she was involved in climate justice, which involved in it I mean she had a foundation the Mary Robinson Foundation for Climate Justice which is you know it's like the intersection of climate change and human rights because often with climate change um when we talk about it we think about like polar bears or like volcanoes but she was seeing in all of her work and all of her traveling like the impact on people and now it's hitting us like we can see there's there's floods and there's even fires and like we can kind of see now in the Western world the way it's impacting people. But she she saw it first and worst in places like in Southeast Asia and in Africa. Um, so she's so ahead of the curve. And uh, she wanted to make a film, actually, Roisin. That was her. She was like, I want to make a documentary about climate justice. And she's, she feels it's so urgent, as, as everyone knows now. Um, and then the film company that she went to said, look, you can do a film, but like, you'd have to be in it and and it would take about two years and she was like oh god no because <laughs> you know she's not like it's so yeah. fun because in my business with acting and comedy everybody really wants to be famous or like they at least want to be known and have have their say and like you know me included like this is my opinion um yeah. where Mary's like got the goods 
and she does not want the story to be about her at all. Um, and that's just so such a magnificent and unusual trait. So she was like, I don't want to do a film if it's like, you know, me traipsing around. And they were like, okay, well, you could do a podcast because that's much faster. And she was like, what's a podcast? <laughs> Nick, what's a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you do so, more Mary Robinson impressions, please. Like, oh. I really miss eating lamb. You know, she doesn't. Um, she stopped eating meat for the environment, and like, she really misses lamb. And I always get such a spring lamb. Oh, I miss it. Um, so, so we started doing this podcast together, and it, you know, it went really well. We made three series of it where we talked to women who are. We don't just talk about how bad things are with the climate because they're really, really bad. We talk about um, women who are working um, towards solutions. So we've talked to like this really cool uh, midwife in Australia who's also a river protector. We've talked to um, an indigenous woman uh, in the Sonora Desert who is making solar panels uh, for reservations and... And we've just talked to like people who are inventing new types of straws and like you name it, women all over the world. Um, and it's called it's been, Mothers, Mothers of Invention. What a brilliant name. I mean, it's just gorgeous. But when you first met her and started to do it, were you like my kids, Joya and Priya are doing a project. One of them is Priya is doing a project about yeah. Mary Robinson at the moment. Like she came home and went, oh, mom, we have to do things about women who made a difference. I'm like, oh, my, like this. I'm like, excuse me, I run the women's podcast. You come to me and I'm, oh, they're just like so over it that they decided she decided to do Mary Robinson. <laughs> And then I was like, look at her inauguration speech, you know, um, the hand that rocks the cradle. cradle rock, yeah. It's just like, what does that even mean? Like, and then, and then I go like, she, she got, um, homosexuality decriminalized. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you know, the way it used to be a crime to be gay. She's like, that's so stupid. I'm like, yeah, but it was a thing. And Mary Robert, like, it's just really hard to explain. They just think immediately, well, that's ridiculous. So I don't even want to know about the thing where it got fixed because that's just stupid. So I'm just moving on. It's so funny. It's so funny. I mean, in a way, I love that, you know, an 11 year old can see straight through that for like the BS that it is. And I love that they're just like, that couldn't be it. But at the same time, remembering our history. And I think that's the, you know, gap between like third wave feminists and, you know, like that we need to um, pay our dues and remember how bad things were and I think the other funny part of that is like um it's still like that in other parts of the world like it's not a straight line and um I think Mary's really good at that because not only has she lived through this generational shift she's also she's also really familiar with like different parts of the world and like I think now at the moment with COVID it seems like we're all on different planets you know like it's so different here in Ireland than it is in in New York, all my friends are vaccinated here. My dad just got his, you know, and in India, look at those poor people in India, you know. And so it does seem like we're all really living in these different planets. But, you know, if anything, you know, until the COVID, until the vaccine is available for everyone, we're all going to be in danger. And I think Mary has that um, breadth Perfect. to her where yeah. she can see yeah. the whole picture. Um not that she's like a witch or anything. What's but she, she like though, Maeve? What was it like? Were you not a bit like intimidated? Like, let's be honest. Were you not kind of going, it's Mary Bloody Robinson and I have to do a podcast with her? Was there a bit of that, no? Yeah, I mean, I um, I don't think I was intimidated more than I just wanted to, 
let her know that like I would do, I want to impress her, if you know what I mean. Um, and that's definitely harder than I thought. <laughs> Masters, does she know about your masters? <laughs> no. Would you tell her? Would you text her? What's no. up? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I would only like I, you know, if I write something that I'm really proud of, sometimes I'll send it to her, but I always feel like kind of a baby doing that. But I think the the, the good thing about making a show with her is she's the expert. Like I'm there again to be curious, to be open minded excuse me, to like be the voice of the listener who's like maybe not sure what's going on or what, you know, how to contextualize something. So in that way, I, you know, I was kind of fairly calm, but it is amazing because when you, you know, she's exactly the same as I remember when I was small, like she is exactly the same. She's still so sharp and so focused and she just cares so deeply and she still like wears the necklace little earrings and the blazer and everything and she's just a really high powered person like you know we recorded the podcast in New York and in London and she would just um show up like you know immaculately turned out not a bit of jet I asked her once because I get really wrecked really easily like after this now I'll need to go and lie down and have some more chocolate or whatever me too yeah, that's gonna happen to me as well. Yeah, but and this is you know chatting on a call, whereas like once I was like to Mary, and don't you feel so sleepy? Like we'd recorded two episodes. She's like flown in that morning. She's like, um, I my body just obeys me. I don't really go, you know. And she what? like has wine at lunch. Like she's just cool, you know. My body obeys me. Yeah, now I I don't. That might not be an exact quote, but like it was something like I choose not to get ill or old or something you know she's just that quote I'm going to quote it for the rest of my life as Mary Robinson says my body just obeys me doesn't it Nick doesn't it Nick it does (laughs) oh god she's she's fantastic though I just feel so lucky to do it and I'd hate to like um you know mess it up with her or like do a bad job or you're not gonna do that I mean she obviously really respects you and well she's probably grown to it probably took her a while Maeve do you know what I mean at the beginning she was probably like who is this person what the hell is this I'd say we might still be at that stage (laughs) (laughs) the new Safe Ireland Survivor Fund in partnership with Airbnb enables Safe Ireland to contribute to sustainable supports for women and frontline services and to provide focused actions for children. You can play a critical role in helping to protect more women and children from abuse. Donate directly to your local domestic violence service or to the national work of Safe Ireland. Go to www.safeireland.ie for more information. You know, um, everyone here will know that you started off in comedy. And like for my money, Fancy Vittles is one of the best. I think it's probably the best Irish TV program. I'm going to I'm going to call it best Irish TV program ever made. You and Lily doing. Does everyone remember Fancy Vittles? Does that did anyone know? It was a very cult show. Well, yeah. Jenny, co-producer there is sticking up two thumbs. Yeah, me as well. So there's two of us, Maeve. We remember Fancy Mm -hmm. Vittles. It was amazing. But. You started off, you, I know you, you're saying like stand up, you know, you had to explain. But when I watched Maeve uh, do comedy, I got something that I never got with any of the other so-called people that I was supposed to be 
going to Vicar Street for whoever and laughing my head off. They just didn't make me laugh. But then Maeve would stand up and talk in her, like you say, rambling way. And I'd literally be just <laughs> dying. And I think in a funny way, I think a certain type of comedy, um, it was decided yeah. that, that was funny and that that was what we laughed at. But meanwhile, I'm sure there was lots of people like me just not finding it funny. And then when someone like you came along, it was like, oh, that is that's what I want to see. And that lifts my spirit. And that makes oh, me oh, that's so lovely. I recognize what she's talking about, you know, and it makes me laugh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it must have been a weird place to be in, I think, um, doing something very different to what the comedy was in Ireland, say. Yeah, I mean, I started doing comedy in 2006 uh, in Ireland. And like, I think what was really good for me was there was definitely some people, you know, in Ireland, like my peers who were on the same like wavelength as me and my type of comedy. But there definitely was internationally. So there was like Josie Long in England, Chris Michelle in America, um, you know, other I suppose women who were doing funny things that were what was different than the kind of like lads lad comedy that was and still is popular so I found my people all right um it's just a very small number of them (laughs) certainly not enough to make like any kind of a good living or anything (laughs) pivoted that's the word but you know yeah you're a storyteller is what you are and whether you're doing that on a stage standing talking telling a story or whether I'm just in front of the fire of my apron over my head telling the the stories of the past Maeve Peg Higgins Higgins. (laughs) Jesus I know she's going to pull that one out of the bag Um, but no but you know what I mean then you're telling stories in the New York Times or the Guardian and you're writing about your observations and the way you perceive the world and Hmm. in some way and sometimes it's quite you know you you've got such a social conscience and you're interested like you say you wonder about things but I just love how you've um been able to do that and express yourself in essays and writing I can't wait to read the new one is there any particular one in the new one that you're most proud of Maeve or is there an essay in that Um, that I mean yeah like first of all I think I'm very lucky to have those outlets and I think that for a creative person um well I think actually we're all creative but like I suppose what I mean is like for someone who wants to be, you know, funny and make other people laugh and, you know, be kind of publicly creative. <laughs> um, then, you know, the the outlets are like the it's much easier to do it if you're like, you know, I can see now from all of my time in the world of comedy, the easiest way to do it, the most acceptable form of that is definitely like male um, it's definitely straight, able-bodied, white, you know, all of these things. So, and I am some of those things. Um, so I do have some, you know, access and I did have some access, but not as much as other people. I don't think it's a very fair world. And um, then I think to kind of maneuver your way around and say, okay, well, okay, that's not really working out for me. So what about this? What about this? And I think I came along at a really good time, like a good time in the world, I mean, where I can wriggle around and see like, oh, here's another outlet or I'll try it this way. I'll try it that way. Um, And it's led me to have like a more interesting career than I think, you know, had I just become like a stand up in Ireland who just was still doing the same things, you know, 10, 15 years later, like I, you know, 
I'm glad that that didn't work out for me. Yeah. Well, maybe I think it's really interesting. Like, I'm not comparing you to Joyce or anything, but you know the way that people have to leave Ireland to become fully mm. in a well, bit can, like that. I mean, Russian, don't hold back here. <laughs> if you want to compare me to, is it Jimmy Joyce? Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy boy. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. So a lot of people, you know, they pick up my books, they say, I can't make head nor tail of this. The exact same with James Joyce. Yeah. So there's a lot, you know, and I've, you know, Martello Tower, I, you know, live in one. So, yeah. (laughs) But like, is there something about getting out of this very small country where we have very fixed ideas of what is good and who is successful and who gets to make the art and who gets to be appreciated to get out of that and go, actually, the whole world is going to love me. That's what I think is amazing what you've done you know what I mean you've said no I'm not just this I'm also going to be this and I can speak on a load of different levels that's is it must be quite satisfying yeah I mean and and again that goes back to the migrant experience because if I didn't have that option like getting a visa to the U.S. is so hard like basically you know there's probably one billion people who would like to do that literally but I was so lucky to get an artist visa to go over there and start again and figure out, like I said, new ways of doing things, writing, storytelling. Um, and so it's just, you know, I'm so grateful for that. And I'm so also so grateful to still have Ireland as like a safe base. And I do still write about Ireland and I'm, you know, from I'm from here. <laughs> so it's still, I think, you know, has formed me a lot. So um but yeah, the going away thing has been valuable, I think, for a writer um, because you just are on shaky ground and you're looking, you have to try and like really examine your situation, your new situation. Mm. Um, like how do people, I don't know, like socialize? Like how, what do you bring to someone's house? You know, what small talk? Like just tiny things. What do you, that is a really good question. Like if you were, if say a New York person invited you to dinner, right? Yeah. What would you bring? Like, you know, the way we think wine and maybe something else or what what you bring? It's yeah. So first of all, that's really rare because most people, you know, they don't really cater, like have dinners in their apartments okay. because of space and stuff. Yeah. Um. so if you if you get to go to someone's house, that means you're really close with them. So um, it's never happened for me. No. <laughs> OK. OK. Sorry about that. But yeah, like that thing of everybody bringing a dish and sitting around for like an entire night, trying to organize that in New York, you know, eight people or whatever, (laughs) just forget it. Like people have a really hard time. This is what I've heard, even organizing a threesome because you need to do a doodle and you need to say, when is everybody free? How long do we need? Is it 40 (laughs) minutes? Is that okay? No, 50 minutes. Um, So scheduling is really, really hard. And uh, just spending time with people is is harder than it is um here and it's hard enough here yeah I can see a question in the box from Sarah okay go for it then mate. okay just change her focus in her columns during the pandemic as most other formats did I avoid certain topics um you know what I tried to do actually Sarah was uh I certainly wrote about the pandemic and I'm also making a podcast for the Atlantic that is specifically about the pandemic so where we talk about a different issue each week and my co-host is a medical doctor and a science writer. Um, and then as for, uh, I did a big piece about um, 
it was terrible in America because um, undocumented immigrants are the brunt of what they call essential workers, right? Which is here too, you know, like supermarket workers, farm workers, taxi drivers, and a lot of them are undocumented in the US. So they were being forced to go to work because they're essential workers, but then they weren't getting any um, pandemic money from the government. So I wrote a big piece about them for the New York Review of Books at the start. And I did a few other like more political pieces. But then what was interesting in the last few months, I think we've all been so um, just worn down and exhausted. That's when The Guardian started asking me, oh, do you have anything like fun and funny and light to write about? Um, And so I'd be like, no. (laughs) And then I'd have a think. Okay. Then I never think about it. Yeah. And so I wrote this piece of Outlander that went that went totally viral because people like just want to get a moment of relief, I think. Do you think if I pitched the Guardian to write a piece about four in a bed that they'd like would it go viral as well? Because I'm really like Honestly, probably. <laughs> have you watched Four in a Bed, Maeve? No, but Mammy loves it. <laughs> um, we have a blue hand up, Maeve Sandra. Sandra. What I want to ask is, have you, how have you managed? Maybe it's never, maybe from lucky, it's never happened to you. Uh, when your comedy, your sketch goes completely flat. Or never happened know, to her. Maybe it never happened. <laughs> no, never had that experience in my life. <laughs> um, no, that's, you know, it's in a way it's, um, that's happened to me a lot. And I think that's maybe what Roshan is alluding to, because like my style of comedy is not for everybody. And I think, uh, you know, in sometimes it's just really dispiriting and like people won't make eye contact with you when you leave the stage. <laughs> At one point I did a TV spot in London and like this, st- I could hear them taking down the set behind me. I was bombing. It's called bombing. Like okay. the the language of comedy is very violent. They're like, I killed the room or like I bombed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I've had I've had, um, you know, great times on stage where it, you get into the flow and you get, you know, your audience and it's been fantastic. And then I have definitely had times where I've really bombed and it's a bit like, well, nothing I can say is going to help this situation <laughs> but now I think I've been in the game so long that I can generally make it work uh but it's like not fun for me um but there's also a kind of a kick to when it's going really badly and when you're just like like once I remember thinking I was wearing like sparkly eyeshadow and I could see you know when you do that you can kind of see like glitter in your eyes a little bit and I was looking out at the audience and I could see all kind of glitter. And I was like, I'm really glad I'm wearing this glitter because I can't really see them properly. Like I can't really. And, you know, I definitely remember other times where I was like floating above my body, looking down, thinking like, why, why are you doing this? So I think when you start dissociating or when you start, <laughs> I think it's a really bad, um, I don't think it's a healthy profession. Well, do you know Speaking of dissociating, Breda says, where did Maeve get her amazing sense of self-worth from? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, you know, I don't think you have an option, really. I mean, do do you really? Like, if you don't um, at least, you know, uh, value yourself. And I work on it. Like, I have a career coach at the moment. Who? Yeah. You've changed since you went to New York. Bloody, a career coach. Yeah. 
That sounds like you've got some self-esteem going on there. What's going on? Well, I think, I think it all goes hand in hand. I mean, I think, you know, you're saying to me, like, it's so cool how you go off and yeah. you do this. And that's how, like, I ask, yeah, yeah. I have, I have really good mentors and I have, I ask for a lot of help and I'm trying to figure out like ways to have, um, like an exciting life where I get to do like what I want, which is, you know, so self-absorbed. But I also see that like I get the opportunity to do that and not a lot of people do. So I think, you know, this is so rare. (laughs) Like, I think it's so rare. So I do try and push myself to do stuff that I, you know, that doesn't come naturally to me. Yeah. But Maeve, do you think, I I always think your family, I mean, all of you are so, I mean, I don't know all of you, but obviously I know Lily and I've met a couple of your family and met your mum and dad and there's, I think there's a self-worth that comes there. I don't know. I feel like, yeah. I, mean, I feel like the way you were brought up, it was a bit different yeah. to say a lot of Irish people brought up. Like it feels like all your talents and the things you had, you were encouraged and you were, you were told that you were great. I think that, that may be. That's definitely good. true. Yeah, that's definitely true. And the, and the great thing about my parents as well is like, they're very much like you do your own path. You know, they were never, I don't know about other families, but I suppose they never thought like, oh, you're only clever. Like I didn't go to college, like, you know, stuff like that. And they were always like, we just, you know, um, want you to be happy and we think you're brilliant. And they said that to all of us. So yeah. I do think that's really important for children, even like, you know, weird children or bad children. <laughs> My mom did that as well. We were all very different, but there was no expectation that one was going to follow the other or because one was studying engineering that the next one yeah. had to do that. And I th- I definitely feel that that a lot of people put their own hopes and dreams, like the way I do with Joy and Priya, about them being <laughs> I want them to be like showbiz stars. Um, Maeve, we've come to nearly the end. Unless there's a blue hand, Suzanne, of anybody else. Anybody? Well, I just had so much fun chatting to you. And also, I can't believe like all of the people who came along. And it was so, it was so nice to see everyone's faces as well. I really appreciate it. Isn't it really nice? And you know what's nice about them? Yeah. They came and then they stayed. Because imagine if they came and we're like, oh, and then they left. We were left with only a few people. And it was like, there's only two on this Zoom call. It's been so <laughs> lovely talking to you. I'm very, I mean, proud is the wrong word. But like I say, when I see your name and all these things, I'm like, yeah, I know yeah. her. I yeah, feel I'm proud like, of you. I oh, definitely feel proud of you. Well, I'm I'm delighted with what I'm doing too. And I suppose in our own in our own ways, we're all trying to do the things that... Do help ourselves, like you say, about self-worth, but also maybe help other people too. And if both of them can happen at the same time, well, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> Mostly help ourselves. <laughs> Maeve Higgins, isn't she amazing? I love you, Maeve. Thank you so much. Bye, Bye. everyone. Enjoy Bye. the rest of the weekend. That was Maeve Higgins there, which we recorded earlier this year as part of our Big Night In series. That's all we have time for. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, by Suzanne Brennan and Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Contact us on social, on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter using at IET Women's Podcast. And we're on email to the women's podcast, irishtimes.com. We love hearing from you, so do get in touch. Until next time, mind yourselves and thanks very much for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.